What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News, episode 284 on Now You Know. We're brought to you by our amazing Patreon patrons. Help support us bring you independent news every week by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know. There's really cool things that you can get if you sign up. You should go check those out. Yeah. We want to thank Birch Living for sponsoring the show. Birch is a premium mattress in a box company that makes mattresses and sleep products that are stylish, comfortable, and environmentally conscious. Did you know that Birch makes organic, non-toxic mattresses made right here in America with just four materials sourced straight from nature? Organic latex, New Zealand wool, American steel springs, and organic cotton. I did know that because I've had my birch mattress now for almost a year and I love it. So why do you like it so much? First of all, it's super comfortable. My girlfriend and I used to toss and turn way more with my old mattress. Now with my birch, I find we get much more restful sleep and we both feel more energy in the morning. And what else? Look, you're going to spend about a third of your life on your bed. And for me, I want that mattress to be made of organic and natural materials. Yeah. Can we just take a second to explain why we're telling you about Birch Living on a channel about EVs and tech and sustainability? Because Birch mattresses are made sustainably from certified organic materials. Yeah. Birch is certified global organic textile standard, Green Guard Gold, Fair Trade, Eco Institute certified, Wool Integrity New Zealand, Forest Stewardship Council. It's made sustainably, and that's important to us. And Birch just introduced their newest mattress, the Birch Lux Natural Mattress. The Lux takes the comfort and luxury of the original Birch mattress to the next level and is crafted with responsibly sourced and sustainably produced materials, including organic cashmere. The Lux is specially created with breathability, cooling, and support in mind and offers increased airflow and targeted zone lumbar support. But weren't you afraid to buy a mattress on the internet that you'd never even laid down on? I kind of was, but Birch gives you a 100-night sleep trial along with a 25-year warranty. And it's so much easier than going to a store. And honestly, at a mattress store, are you really going to be able to tell how a mattress is to sleep on? Yeah, I mean, you have to sleep on it. With Birch, you get more than three months to make sure that you love it. If you don't, they'll pick it up for you. And I mean, right out of your bedroom and you'll get a full refund. The best part is that Birch delivers your mattress right to your door for free within the U.S. Comes rolled up in a box and it's super easy to set up for yourself. If you have been dreaming about a new mattress, don't wait any longer. Use our link, birchliving.com slash now you know. You'll get $400 off your Birch mattress plus two free pillows. Those pillows, by the way, are made of recycled plastic bottles. You are running out of time to enter to potentially win a fully loaded Model S or Model X Plaid from our friends over at Climate Exchange. Yes, the raffle ends on February 23rd, so don't wait. This could be your best chance at getting in a Plaid. But they could run out of tickets by then. There's only 5,000 of them available, and in previous years, they have run out of tickets before the deadline. Remember, Climate Exchange will also pay all the taxes, so that means that the grand prize could be worth over $227,000 depending on what you choose. And you're supporting a fantastic cause. Yeah, our friends at Climate Exchange are the best. Climate Exchange is a 501c3 nonprofit with the mission to achieve a durable, just transition away from polluting fossil fuels in the U.S. by advancing climate policy at the state level. 
Climate Exchange is your team advocating for you in the halls of government. But doing all this important work costs money. And this Tesla raffle goes a long way every year to funding Climate Exchange's important work. So head over to Climate Exchange now, buy a raffle ticket, and on February 25th, you might hear your name called as they announce the grand prize winner. And don't forget, there are also cash prizes for the second, third, fourth, and fifth place winners too. So, uh... Just dusting off my fourth grade probability skills here. Yeah. Isn't that a one in 1,000 chance of winning something? Uh, yes, it is. And that's over 292,000 times better odds than winning the Powerball. But you do not have much time left. Look, Climate Exchange is the kind of charity that we support regardless of the raffle. So enter Climate Exchange's sixth annual raffle by using the link below. And you could be joining these past lucky winners and driving away in a shiny new Tesla all while supporting a great organization. But do it now because they could be running out of tickets as we speak. Can you imagine getting that call? Hello, you just want a Tesla. What? We're brought to you by BigBattery.com. No matter what you need to power, Big Battery can provide you with the latest battery tech at the best price per kilowatt hour guaranteed. Their batteries are easily installed, require zero maintenance, and they're made right here in the U.S. Pick up yours today at BigBattery.com and use the code now you know for 5% off at checkout. All right, I'm pretty positive and enthusiastic about Tesla. I think you'd have to agree. But even I had to go... <laughs> when I saw this next story. So this is data from the California New Car Dealer Association, the CNCDA, showing that in 2021, Tesla had two of the top five selling new car models in California. Now, I mean, Model Y came in neck and neck with the Toyota Camry, which is the best-selling car in California. The Camry, by the way, cost less than half the price, and yet the Model Y almost outsold it. And the Model 3 wasn't too shabby, coming in just below the Honda Civic and Toyota RAV4, with over 53,000 vehicles sold last year. Now, Tesla saw a growth of 69% in California last year, nice. bringing California to 9.5% battery electric market share. Model 3 and Model Y topped the near-luxury and luxury compact SUV categories in California as well. Now, Model S and X didn't do as well as they normally do in the luxury and high-end sports car category, but that's because they weren't delivering for the first half of last year as the refresh wasn't completed. But still, 10% isn't that shabby. That's third place. And even the Bolt did well. How's that possible? Well, it, they only stopped selling it for the right. last quarter of last year. Right, so, right. Okay. On Thursday, Elon and SpaceX held their Starship update. Um... I felt very inspired after watching it. To me, the argument of why we must make life multiplanetary soon was laid out pretty well, and the first steps of that process felt tantalizingly close. Uh, but I also sort of felt like this presentation was made specifically for me. It just felt like it was speaking to me directly. Yeah, but for anyone who's been paying close attention, I feel like there wasn't anything that new presented. And I feel like for anyone who wasn't already on board with sending humans to Mars, I'm not sure this would have convinced them. Especially for anyone unfamiliar with thrust to weight ratios and delta V and ISP and mass to orbit and other literal rocket science jargon. But let's talk about what excited me about the presentation. All right. First of all, the why. Elon took about three and a half minutes to explain the two reasons why we should go to Mars. Number one, in case something happens to Earth, like a asteroid kind of thing. And number two, to inspire everyone and make them look forward to the future. Uh, to me, this is all stuff that I am completely on board with. 
Yeah, although for the average person who isn't that interested in this kind of stuff, I'm not sure if it really captures their imagination. But then we move on to a, a very interesting graph in this presentation, mass to orbit. Elon talks about how one starship launching three times a week for a year would launch more mass into orbit than everything we've ever launched into space. If you could speed up the launches to three times a day, you'd be able to about 10x everything we've ever launched into space in one year with one rocket. Um, um, then he showed that with 10 rockets, you could obviously 10x that. So over a million tons to orbit in a single year with 10 rockets. Uh, he mentioned that you could theoretically launch every hour and that they hope to be making a new starship every three days. And I think this point is what almost everyone glosses over. If we are truly entering a new space age, this launch capability will be the biggest and most important factor, not just for Mars, but for science or defense. I mean, they just launched the James Webb Space Telescope the other day, and it's very exciting. And it's one of the most important uh, pieces of technology that I think we've ever launched into space. But to go from the rocket that launched the James Webb Space Telescope, the Ariane 5, uh, it has a roughly 18-foot diameter. Now we go to Starship, a 30-foot diameter. And to go from a payload capacity of about 16 tons to 100 or 150 tons, we can shoot much heavier and bulkier things into space like even better space telescopes. Well, and this is what I was hoping Elon was going to do in his presentation, explain just like you just did how massively big this rocket is. And instead, he didn't do that. So like unless you're, you know, a space nerd like we are, then you don't really kind of get it. One other point is that he took the time to be standing in front of the giant stage zero, right? And yet, to all of us out there in the internet watching who weren't there in Boca Chica, uh, we rarely saw that in the shot. Like, mm. it was just dark behind him. So, I, I mean, if I was a casual observer and I tried to put that lens on while I was watching, I didn't even know what was going on there. One of the other things barely touched on was the stage zero or the booster catching launch tower, sometimes called Mechazilla, which to me is like the most amazing part of this presentation, that this thing is not only going to launch the rocket, but catch the rocket. Yeah. I mean, they did show it, you know, doing some stacking and in, you know, the little video presentation, they show it catching a booster. But I don't think that that really shows what an impressive feat this is. We've never yeah. this isn't something that's like ever really been done before. No. But yeah, instead of like talking about it with a dad joke of the farewell to arms, which great. You did a dad joke. <laughs> the dad jokes, uh, you know, I have to warn you, they're only going to get worse. Uh. I just thought uh, this is really impressive and it, it should deserve a little bit more to talk about. Yeah. They also touched on the Raptor version 2, um, which is going to be more powerful and have less parts on it. And you can see a picture of it there. I mean, this is a huge thing to talk about. He tweeted after the presentation more about it. Um, but this is one of those things that I think most people watching don't get that he's iterating so fast that he's gone from his first generation Raptor to his second generation Raptor, which is now more thrust and less price, like half the price. Mm -hmm. Now, Elon explained a bit why Starbase was chosen as the site for this, but also said that Cape Canaveral in Florida was also a good location for the same reasons, which is important, and we'll get to that in a bit. Now, the first missions for the Starship will uh, first be the orbital test, of course, um, but then they should be delivering uh, Starlinks to orbit, uh, a lot of them at which a time. He, which he didn't mention much in the presentation. Right. Um, and then, of course, there is the NASA moon landing missions. Which he didn't mention much in the presentation. Talked a little bit about it. And then the Dear Moon art project. He mentioned that, but again, if you haven't been watching like our channel or other space channels, you don't know what Dear Moon Project is. Right. They're going to send a bunch of artists to go around the moon 
um, in, in starship in a starship. So it'll be like a, a week or two of like hand chosen artists uh, to go around the moon, which I think is a really cool yeah. project. We've never had artists, artists in, in space, space before no. For, no. for the most part. Exactly. Um, and of course, then they showed a, to me a great animation showing what this would look like. Except it wasn't a great animation, in my opinion, because it just showed the outside of the rocket. It didn't make me as the viewer. I didn't get the story of how I was involved. So I never saw it from the perspective of inside the rocket, which, come on, most of us are like, what is it going to be like to be inside the rocket? And there were a lot of questions asked at the end of this presentation. In fact, I thought most of the good information came out during the questions. One of the questions I was looking forward to was they were like, what's the inside of the rocket going to look like, Elon? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. And I'm like, well, why don't you just mock it up now so that we can at least start to picture what it's going to be like to be in this fantastically futuristic rocket. I don't know. I think that he doesn't care too much. I think that it's going to be fairly utilitarian when it's going to Mars. I, yeah, but I know he doesn't care. But if you want to capture our imagination, no, like true. that's why if you watch the inspiration series on Netflix about the Dragon Capsule, like right. it's so futuristic inside. It's so cool. It's got so many cool features that I don't think anyone knows about. Right. There were also a lot of questions being asked about the FAA approval process. Yeah, I mean, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, uh, needs to approve Starbase, and they haven't yet. That decision should be coming in March. Elon said if it wasn't approved, it would suck, but they would essentially move operations to Florida. And this was actually a welcome thing to hear. I was kind of worried that if the FAA said no, that like, I don't know, that'd be the end of SpaceX. But he was like, no, we would just move operations there. Because they're I, already approved in, in Florida. Exactly. And I think this was a really good political move because what he was basically saying is, uh, wink, wink, Texas, if you want us to stay here, you're going to have to do some political wrangling and get your votes in line because otherwise we're going to Florida. So he's playing the states off each other. And I thought that was pretty smart. But again, I didn't feel like the presentation was talking to the every person. I just felt that it was talking to us like SpaceX fans. It's talking to me for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was like practically in tears. I was so excited. Again, none of this stuff was that new. This is kind of all the same sort of we're just a lot closer than we were back when he did his his last Starship update. I think that it's going to be really exciting once they do the orbital test. I think that it's going to be really exciting once they start, you know, launching uh, Starlink satellites out of them. And once it's like. What else can we put in a starship to launch into whatever orbit you want? Can I just say a little critique of the presentation itself? First of all, Elon, uh, rehearse. I'm sorry. Take an hour. Rehearse the speech. Read a lot of it off of a teleprompter because I'm sorry. You're just not that great at impromptu. You kind of leave a lot of people um, when you start going off on little tangents and then coming back to them. Or he should have someone else helping him with the president. I totally agree. Needs, I, I mean, I think he could even hire, you know, like the key and peel yeah. anger translator. Yes. Kind of space a thing, translator. Exactly. Like, that would be hilarious. It would. Be. And I think it would work. I totally agree. Having a second person on stage would have helped a lot. I also think that if you're going to spend the money to have a stage and to put the rocket behind you, then have a media team that understands how to present it and also make it so that you're you're clapping lands. You have an audience. They're there to clap at the end of a big sentence so that everyone knows that this is a big deal. And instead, a lot of it fell flat. He would say something which to us watching at home was like, whoa. And then the audience was just like. <coughs> I, I don't want to be overly negative here. I know that, you know, presentations isn't really Elon's thing. Yeah, but it, that's why it, you have to bring people on board that help you with that. Right. I think the thing that I like the most about Elon is he might not be the best speaker, but at least he knows more about what he's talking about than almost any other CEO. Totally talking. agree. Totally agree. It's just that in the world of presentation, that's not always the person you want out front with the message. Right. 
And I think that this is so important to humanity that you need to be thinking about how to get that message across. There was a reason why President Kennedy's speech about space is still remembered today. It's not because Kennedy knew how to get to space. It's that he knew how to inspire people. That's true. And speaking of SpaceX, didn't you hear that they lost practically their whole launch of Starlink satellites the other day? A solar flare just came and took them out. Well, it's a little more complicated than that. You see, when they launch Starlink satellites, they launch them at an extremely low orbit. And this is so that if there's a problem with the satellites, they deorbit and harmlessly burn up on reentry. Like naturally, you don't even have to tell them to do anything. They'll just do that. If everything is operational, they use their little Krypton ion engines to get to their final orbits. So what? They didn't design them to handle a solar flare? No, I mean, the satellites are still operational. The solar flare didn't affect their electronics. It actually affected the atmosphere. But they're in space. There's no air there. Uh, no, actually. So they're in low Earth orbit. And this is initially where they're orbited to. The atmosphere can still drag them down because the atmosphere doesn't actually have like a hard limit. There's no like bubble. It's not a bubble. <laughs> not a bubble around Earth. It's a gradient because it just it gets thinner and thinner the higher you go. There is still technically air from Earth, you know, all the way out at the moon. It's not you have to like look for it. You might bump into one. Oh, I found it. A little argon atom. Technically, yeah, it just kind of goes out like that. Basically, the solar flare heated up the atmosphere, causing it to exert more drag on the Starlink satellites. And so, yeah, about 40 of them aren't going to make it out of uh, this orbit. But that's bad. Well, it's bad in the sense that, yeah, they're going to burn up, but not bad in the sense that SpaceX uses a fail-safe system to make sure to not add more space junk. And after a launch, if any of the satellites don't function, they will naturally deorbit. In fact, even in their operational orbits, Starlink satellites will deorbit naturally within a few years if communication is lost. But of course, the news tries to spin this story as a bad thing or something to worry about. Now, sure, it's not great that SpaceX lost 40 satellites, but they've been launching at such a rate, this will hardly slow them down. Yeah, I mean, they're really relying on your ignorance to spin a negative narrative about this story. These satellites aren't falling out of the sky. They won't hit you or your house. But I wonder why all of these news organizations would be so negative about a new internet service provider. Hmm, weird. Breaking! President Biden just acknowledged Tesla as the nation's largest electric vehicle manufacturer. From iconic companies like GM and Ford building out new electric vehicle production to Tesla, our nation's largest electric vehicle manufacturer. And Elon responded with the smiley sunglasses thing. Also uh, in the Biden news uh, sphere, GM has hired Missy Owens as their head of environment, sustainability and governance policy. Wait, so wasn't she on NHTSA? No, you think of Missy Cummings. I didn't oh, know. Oh, too many Missies here. Okay. I didn't know. Is Missy a name? Is that a first name? <laughs> to me, it's like a rude thing that I would yeah. never say to anyone. Hey there, Missy. I wouldn't ever say that to anybody. But uh, Missy Owens is Joe Biden's sister's daughter. In other words, his niece. Now, look. I know that Owens is probably qualified. She worked for President Obama during his Senate campaign and then worked as the chief of staff to the deputy secretary of the Commerce Department and the deputy chief of staff for the Energy Secretary. Then she worked for Coca-Cola for eight years as their director of government relations. But you have to admit, it doesn't look good that President Biden has constantly been seen promoting GM. You did, Mary. And then his niece gets a top job there. All while Biden has ignored Tesla as an American automaker. Just as the U.S. spends billions of dollars on EV charging infrastructure, that isn't going to help Tesla, but it would basically give GM a big leg up over Tesla. Yeah, I mean, won't this mean that GM will get kind of like an unfair advantage since his niece is working for them? I don't know. 
Tell us what you think about that below. And speaking of President Biden, he tweeted out, China has been leading the electric vehicle race, but that's about to change. We're building a convenient, reliable, equitable national public charging network. It'll make America more economically competitive and help us tackle the climate crisis at the same time. Biden and the Department of Energy and Transportation gave some more details last week about how the U.S. will spend $5 billion on EV chargers that were in the infrastructure law passed last year. So what's the plan? Well, Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, says that states must submit an EV infrastructure deployment plan to the federal government and can begin construction of chargers this year with $615 million if they focus first on highway routes designated alternative fuel corridors, mainly along the interstate highway system, rather than like neighborhoods and shopping centers. Mm -hmm. The five-year plan is to have at least four chargers per location that can charge up to 150 kilowatts with four chargers every 50 miles nationwide. There will be an additional $2.5 billion for local grants for disadvantaged communities and rural areas planned for later this year. States that don't meet minimum charging station requirements will have their federal highway funding held up. And to lap up all this sweet federal cash, charger manufacturers are getting into high gear. DC fast charger maker Tritium will break ground on its new U.S. factory in Tennessee to make 30,000 fast chargers per year. Siemens will produce a million by 2025, ABB is expanding, and Dunamis Clean Energy Partners, based in Detroit, will open a new facility there beginning this summer. Now, while we're talking about billions of dollars, U.S. Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm said, As electric cars and trucks continue to grow in popularity within the United States and around the world, we must seize the chance to make advanced batteries the heart of this growing industry right here at home. With funding from bipartisan infrastructure law, we're making it possible to establish a thriving battery supply chain in the United States. So basically $2.9 billion from the Department of Energy for battery projects of all kinds, from materials to recycling. Right. I've got to imagine that if you're a university or a startup doing anything in the battery space, well, get ready for the floodgates to open. Look, my advice to states and localities is to get your plans into the federal government as soon as possible and ask for more than you want. Okay. Secondly, don't just put these chargers on highways like the government said you had to. We need chargers everywhere. I mean, there should be plenty in cities as well. And don't just build four chargers per location. That's the minimum. So please build at least eight. Follow Tesla's lead here. If you put four chargers in and you should go check out our show, which we just did on superchargers, you'll see that the number of chargers at a location is a big deal. Now, you can find the state-by-state funding by going to this DOT website. We'll post the link down below. Yeah, look, it's $63 million from Massachusetts. Nice. Hey, and if you want to share one of these stories that you see on this show with your friends, head on over to the Now You Know Clips channel, where we chop up some of these stories into bite-sized clips that you can easily share. So California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing, DFEH, has brought a lawsuit last Wednesday against Tesla. DFEH director Kevin Kish says after receiving hundreds of complaints from workers in a nearly three year investigation, DFEH found evidence that Tesla operates a racially segregated workplace where black workers are subjected to racial slurs and discriminated against in job assignments, discipline, pay and promotion. DFEH will continue to take steps to keep workplaces free of harassment and racism. In addition to race-based segregation in the terms and conditions of employment, DFEH alleges that Tesla has turned a blind eye to years of complaints from black workers protesting the near-constant use of racial slurs in the workplace and the presence of racist writing and graffiti in common areas of the workplace, including swastikas and other hate symbols. 
Yikes. 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 Um, now, Tesla responded, or actually preempted this with a blog post titled, The DFEH's Misguided Lawsuit on their website, saying... Over the past five years, the DFEH has been asked on almost 50 occasions by individuals who believe they were discriminated against or harassed to investigate Tesla. On every single occasion, when the DFEH closed an investigation, it did not find misconduct against Tesla. It therefore strains credibility for the agency to now allege after a three-year investigation that systematic racial discrimination and harassment somehow existed at Tesla. A narrative spun by the DFEH and a handful of plaintiff firms to generate publicity is not factual proof. To date, despite repeated requests, the DFEH has declined to provide Tesla with the specific allegations or factual basis for its lawsuit. Attacking a company like Tesla that has done so much good for California should not be the overriding aim of a state agency with prosecutorial authority. The interests of workers and fundamental fairness must come first. So, yeah, so you have to ask yourself, I mean, this looks politically motivated. There was three years of investigation. Where's the evidence? I guess we'll find it in the lawsuit when this maybe goes to court. But what I really hated again is the headlines. Look, we're all against racism, right? But when you have a factory with 10,000 employees, I'm pretty sure you're going to find things written on walls of bathrooms that you don't want there. That doesn't mean the company is racist. And with three years of investigation and 50 complaints, if there was some hard evidence, it seems like something would have been done before now. But this is why we have courts. This is going to go to court. They're going to look through the evidence and some pretty competent people are going to make a decision based on that. Yeah, I'm just... If this is like past things that happened with Tesla, if nothing comes of this, uh, there won't be this big story about nothing came of it. There'll be it, nothing. nothing. We get headline after headline of what people are accusing Tesla of. And that kind of seeps into the public's perception of Tesla when I don't think it's fair. OK, if you're not a car aficionado, you're going to have to look very, very carefully. So these are the old Tesla Model S rear taillights. And this is a photo on Tesla's website of the new Model S plaid taillights. See? Huh? You see? It's <laughs> the new design appears to be thinner. Okay. Now we did see a photo from Taiwan about a month ago, which appeared to have this new taillight design, but now it seems to be confirmed with the photo being on Tesla's website. Yeah, let us know in the comments below if you like the new design or if you can even tell the difference. So we talk about a lot of frustrating, demoralizing, unfair things that happen in the world on this show all the time. And what I'm about to talk about might seem a little inconsequential compared to those, but I feel pretty strongly about this and I'm asking for your support and compassion. Okay. So back in September of 2019, NHTSA began mandating that all new EVs delivered by manufacturers have a PWS or pedestrian warning sound. <laughs> Come on, man. Come what on. Is that? This is all without any data to back up it being a safety feature. Now, I was annoyed and I said publicly that I would rip out such a system from my car. And in fact, I had Richery Builds rip out the PWS system on my Nissan Leaf. But then Tesla did something very Tesla-like. They made boombox mode. Which one is boombox mode again? Tesla took that exterior speaker that had to play the PWS sound and they let you play anything you wanted out of it. Anything from snake jazz to uh, horse hooves to uh, even your radio. So nice, loud music coming out of the Tesla. To let people know so, you're there. And you know what? It made me flip on a dime. Suddenly, I wanted a new Tesla just so I could have the speaker on the outside of my car, making noises on the outside of my car. Oh, right, because your car is an early Model 3 and it doesn't have the speaker. I went from wanting to rip that speaker out of my car like Mortal Kombat to wanting to get a new car 
to have that speaker in my car. And I would have put up with all the dumb safety sounds as long as for the 5% of the time that I wanted to do something funny or fun or interesting with the boombox mode, I could have that as a feature. I'd put up with the backup noises. I would do all of that. Why is this story titled Fun Police Strike Again, though? Now NHTSA has ruled that because you can play sounds that are louder, louder. than the PWS sounds, that it doesn't comply with the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard number 141. So if it's non-compliant, why are you so upset? Because it was a stupid regulation based on zero data about zero accidents to begin with. And it has always been about slowing down EV adoption. Because first of all, I never wanted my silent car to have to make some kind of stupid sound effect um, that I can't choose. And I know that I'm not alone. I know that people have been pulling these systems out of their cars because they didn't want it. But when Tesla tried to turn this stupid regulation into something fun, something that would actually increase adoption of their stupid system, NHTSA took that away, which means that thousands of people will, and I almost guarantee it, will rip these speakers out of their car. But I mean, isn't it better to have some people with the speakers? You'd have had more people with the speakers if you didn't take away boombox mode. This is so pearl clutchy and overly bureaucratic. Why isn't NHTSA putting the same noisemakers on quiet ice cars? Mm. We're adding regulations on how loud car engines can be since the PWS system has to be a certain volume. And if it goes over that, apparently you can't have it. That's a good point. Or since this could be misused, why don't they needlessly hassle other OEMs to make it harder to say, modify a diesel engine to be able to roll coal? Mm, that's a really good point, because if boombox mode is too loud now all of a sudden, well, doesn't that mean like a Z06 is too loud, too? And they even put it in the recall because, of course, they have to make it a stupid recall, even though it's going to be fixed with an over the air update. Oh, it's already been fixed. It's of course, it's already been fixed. You, you can't even talk about these recalls without saying they've already been fixed on an over the air well, update. And I think Elon agrees with you. I mean, Salif Cybertruck says, uh, what was the rationale behind the boombox recall? And Elon said the fun police made us do it. Sigh. Well, I thought Missy Cummings was supposed to recuse herself from anything Tesla related. But I mean, is she allowed to be like, um, I can't vote on this, but could you just um, I wrote this for you. Could you just pass that this, for me at the next meeting? I mean, the regulation was passed well before Missy Cummings, so I'm not even going to blame her for this. It's it was so stupid and based on nothing. There's no data to back up this regulation. No, I agree it was written before her, but the fact that they are actually um, in trying to enforce Tesla for it, it just seems like that's something that Missy had her hand in. Right. So anyway, wire cutters exist and... Uh if I buy a new Tesla, that speaker coming out. So Tesla's chief designer, Franz von Holzhausen, was on the Spike Car Radio podcast last week, and he gave an update on the Roadster. I tried to give this a listen. I just I threw up in my mouth too many times. It's too car guy -y. <laughs> Could you could you just get the quotes out of sure. Franz? Yeah, you don't have to listen to the whole hour. Here's okay. what he said. We are working on the Roadster. I wish we were working faster, but I also wanted to say that in the time we have been developing it, we have also been learning a lot. Plaid is a great learning platform. All those experiences will, you know, make their way back into a much better Roadster than we had launched right after we debuted it. So, yeah, continuous improvements on that. It will be an amazing, exciting flying machine with the SpaceX package. Flying machine. Now, I mean, we already knew that it was going to fly because Elon said it last year in this tweet. This will actually be able to fly very briefly. I always laughed at flying cars and now I'm making one. Fate loves irony. And just to remind everybody, it's zero to 60 now in 1.1 seconds with the SpaceX package. So remember when we were at the event, it was 1.9 seconds. Holy crap! 
So mm-hmm. for all those fudsters out there who are like, um, the Plaid Model S is going to be faster than it, so I don't really want it anymore. They have been improving it, is right. what he's saying here, which means that it's not going to just be limited to what they said at the what, announcement. What it's going to actually be better. What other car company comes out with a car better than the, what they showed? Usually they show you a concept car, and then the real car that comes out is like, well, it's really not as great as what we said, but... This, they're just continually trying to make better, and I mean, now we know it's going to fly. Right. Like. I know we've been waiting. I know everyone's hey, mad. Hey, We're we've, mad as anyone. We've been waiting, and I'm not mad. I'm really, honestly, I'm not mad. If they're gonna, be, if the roadster that they're gonna well, get us, no, you're right. Be I mean, even nicer. I mean, I have to go get my pilot's license now. I mean, because <laughs> since we're gonna be flying, and if you want to see a car that goes zero to sixty one point one seconds, hit the like button. Because we're going to get them. So last week, YouTube channel Met God in Wilderness released a video of the Cybertruck at Fremont. At first, I was like, cool, let's see what they're working on. And then before I knew it, the drone was flying way too close and actually annoying the team that was working on the truck. Now, the drone pilot did apologize in his comments. Unfortunately, I couldn't make out anything new. I mean, it was fun to see the Cybertruck up close, but there was so much like tape and stuff over it. And I didn't, I don't know. I didn't spot anything. Like I didn't see the windshield wiper. Um, I didn't see anything that I haven't seen before. Right now. I didn't want to play this clip. I don't think that, uh, this drone pilot deserves to have their stuff played. You should not, 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 not be flying this low over pretty much anything. I've flown drones before. I know how dangerous they are. I've gotten whacked in the face by a drone before. They're going to kick drone pilots out of flying over Tesla properties if this is the kind of stuff that keeps happening. Look, I mean, we are so lucky that Elon allows us to fly over his properties. What other company do you know of that allows this? But if bad behavior like this happens, that they're just going to end it for everyone. And that's not fair because there's a lot of amazing drone pilots out there that fly safely and give us amazing footage. To fly it like this right into the faces of these hardworking Tesla employees to bother them so that they have to stop working is not cool. And yeah, I didn't really spot anything new about the Cybertruck. But if you did, comment below. And better yet, head on over to our sponsors, Cybertruck Owners Club, where you're going to find a crowdsource reservation tracker so that you can update and find your place in line. Because I know many of you are like, when am I getting my truck? Also, you can check out their website for Cybertruck news, discussions, and community for Cybertruck enthusiasts and future owners. So I don't know if you saw our review over on the Now Let's Review channel of the Cybertruck 100. You reviewed the Cybertruck without me? No, no, no. The Medicu Cybertruck 100. It's an e-bike. Oh, oh, right, right. I did see that, but I guess I didn't realize it was called the Cybertruck. What makes it cyber? Um, Nothing really. <laughs> it's a budget e-bike. Um, and it could be a great option for people who are on a budget. And we have so many reviews already up on the Now Let's Review channel and so many more coming. Yeah, it's crammed with e-bikes and e-scooters around here. Like, you can barely get into the office. So please, if you wouldn't mind, go check out the Now Let's Review channel. Drop us a comment in the video and subscribe so we can keep bringing you reviews of all the new e-mobility devices coming out. So Tesla posted a recruitment video in their LinkedIn last week saying, come join the paint team at Gigafactory Berlin Brandenburg. Now, in the video, we get a glimpse of what Elon said back in April of 2020 would be the world's most advanced paint job. And we believe that Giger Berlin will offer the new Tesla paint colors, the deep crimson multi-coat, the abyss blue multi-coat and the mercury silver metallic. Yeah. I mean, have we seen any of those in real life yet? We have not. And they're only going to be in Europe. Apparently. Lucky. Um, now, Tesla is looking for all kinds of employees, including automation and equipment paint engineers. Did you know that Tesla now has approximately 99,000 employees worldwide? Wow. I did not know that. So, I mean, you might be the 100,000th employee. <laughs> so, according to the Tesla website, 
America's best-selling EV in America, the Tesla Model Y, just got lighter. Went on a diet? I guess so, because the Model Y performance is now 4,398 pounds. That's 18 pounds lighter. And the Model Y long range is now 4,363 pounds. That's now 53 pounds lighter. Oh, is this the new 4680 structural battery pack? I don't think so. Um, I think the structural pack would reduce the weight by a lot more than 53 pounds. I was trying to figure out what this was, too. I mean, could this be the switch to the lithium 12-volt battery from the old-style lead-acid battery? Because, mm. I mean, lead-acid batteries are heavy. heavy. I've never lifted a 12-volt lithium battery before, but I've got to imagine it's a lot lighter. I mean, we've made a... What is that? The 42-volt? The 48-volt, isn't it? 48-volt. I mean, it could be a 12-volt if yeah. we wanted it to. I know. You know, we should just make a 12-volt battery. I know. But... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what makes this lighter. Maybe they they shaved a, a little bit of this and a little bit of that off of something. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, comment below if you know how they did it. Tesla's begun rolling out software update 2022.4.5, which includes the regen braking and autopilot, as well as the car colorizer, which we had seen in that Chinese New Year update. So I can change the color of my car? Um, on the screen. It doesn't oh, okay. change the outside of the car. Just Darn it. on the screen. But Yet. it is fun. Um, they've also added back in the boop, the, the save dash cam clips feature. Oh, okay. On the, uh, on the front screen, as well as adding the sentry mode icon um, back to the menu bar at the top and also the profile switcher. So I think a lot of people will be happy about that. So that's, you know, how it used to say like Jesse or No, Zach no, no, I get the, that. But so they're adding a lot of the stuff that we used to have. What is this, some kind of trick they're doing now where they take it away and then they give it back to you and they say, we gave you something new. Well, I mean, yeah, they're adding some stuff back. And I think my favorite thing that they added back was the ability to hide audio sources because I'm sorry, Jay-Z, I'm not going to be using Tidal anytime soon. But why didn't the original Christmas update come with these features we already liked? Why'd they take them away? My guess is that they had to release it on time and that they hadn't fully implemented these features yet because they, I mean, they did a whole UI redesign. And my guess is that some of this stuff didn't make it. Either that or some designer thought that they weren't necessary um, only to feel the backlash of the community when you take away like things that people were used to having on their screens. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the nice thing about over the air updates is that, you know, uh, if you miss something, you can tweet at Elon and get it back. But I just, yeah, I kind of felt it was dumb to take stuff away and then uh, bring it back. Why not just do the rollout properly? I mean, again, it doesn't, it's all, it's all over now. I guess until the <laughs> next time when they take something away. So drone pilot Joe Tegmeyer spotted solar being installed on Tesla's Giga Texas factory roof. Uh, they missed a couple spots there. Uh, no, no, it's, it, they're going to spell something. It's a secret message to aliens. It's going to spell land here. See, that's the E in here. Yes, that's an E. But that, that's, so that proves that Elon is an alien. Hang on. It's not spelling land here. It's going to spell Tesla. Wow. I mean, it's so cool that the entire roof is going to be covered in solar panels and just the words Tesla will be left blank. Yeah. So if we do some back of the napkin math, uh, see our video, by the way, on back of the napkin math. The building is 3,830 feet long by 1,130 feet wide. So that's 4.3 million square feet minus the word Tesla. Now, I have no idea exactly how many square feet that is, but let's say it's 500,000 square feet. So that would be 3.8 million square feet of solar panels at about 15 watts per square foot. So that's 
57 megawatts of solar or about enough energy to power 50,000 homes. Yeah. Now, it might be a little bit less than that. Might be a little more than that. Who knows? I mean, Texas is sunny. <laughs> that is true. Now, we all knew that Tesla was planning to build a design studio in China, but now we appear to have confirmation, not from Tesla, but from the Chinese government. According to Reuters, the Beijing government released a new report listing new projects that are coming to the city in 2022. And on that list is Tesla's new design center. Wait, Beijing? I thought Tesla would build a new design center near the Gigafactory in Shanghai. Well, I think this indicates that Tesla will be building one of their next gigafactories in Beijing. Okay, I see. So, I mean, you already have the Shanghai government rooting for you. Um, and now you pull kind of the Texas, Florida situation like SpaceX is doing. Now you put your design studio in Beijing to get the Beijing government to offer incentives to get you to build your next gigafactory in their city. Yeah. I mean, I think this is perfect for Tesla in terms of expansion into the Chinese market. It is, after all, the largest car market in the world. And again, whoever is working for Tesla in China seems to know exactly which buttons to push mm -hmm. um, to make China happy with Tesla because, again, they got their gigafactory in there before any other company could have a wholly owned factory in China. And their expansion has been seemingly flawless in yeah. terms of the speed at which they were able to build it. From what I hear, Chinese cities are all vying for Tesla to come there. And uh, that's a really good thing because that means there's probably incentives. And you might be saying, but they just built a gigafactory in China. They need a lot more. Maybe they need a lot more. I really wouldn't be surprised if we hear that Tesla builds a new gigafactory near Beijing. All right, it's time for Into the Future. We're sponsored by Henson Shaving. When they are making satellites or Mars rovers, the machines over at Henson Shaving are making equally high-tolerance shavers. You can get 100 free blades if you pick up a razor at HensonShaving.com and use the code NOWYOUKNOW at checkout. And again, let me know if you want me to shave off my beard with the Henson. You don't have to do that. No? So the U.S. Army is going into the future, because it's the Into the Future segment. Hey, that's the name of the show. With their Army climate strategy, which aims for the Army to be net zero emissions by 2050. Christine Wormuth, the Secretary of the Army, stated, The time to address climate change is now. The effects of climate change have taken a toll on supply chains, damaged our infrastructure, and increased risks to Army soldiers and families due to natural disasters and extreme weather. The Army must adapt across our entire enterprise and purposefully pursue greenhouse gas mitigation strategies to reduce climate risks. If we do not take action now across our installations, acquisition, and logistics and training, our options to mitigate these risks will become more constrained with each passing year. And if you're like, I don't care about the planet and our children's future, I just care about my wallet now. Well, the Army's plan should make you happy because so far, by reducing their fleet by 18,000 vehicles and adding 3,000 hybrids in the last three years, that has saved the Army $50 million. It's also cut fuel consumption by 13 million gallons per year and reduced greenhouse gas emissions per mile by 12%. The Army is adding microgrid systems to all Army installations and plans to electrify light-duty, non-tactical vehicles read that as just normal cars by 2027 and all non-tactical vehicles by 2035. That would be, I guess, not little cars. Uh, and then the army plans to have all electric tactical vehicles in use by 2050. So that would be one of like these. And so this is one of those stories that would be good to share with your friends who are always like climate change doesn't really matter. Uh, if the army thinks it matters, then um, it matters. All right, it's time for Going Green, and we're sponsored by EcoWare. And you know, uh, St. Patty's Day is coming up. So we're really going to be going green over on EcoWare. Exactly. Uh, we got a lot of cool stuff uh, for just for St. Patrick's Day. And uh, you can check it all out over on EcoWare. 
So you know that I love composting. Do you know the best way to compost? Uh, well, one of our first videos was on vermicomposting, so with worms? Well, yes, vermicomposting is super cool, but for many people who can't compost at home, there is curbside compost pickup, and the best way to do that is with... An electric compost truck? You got it. Check this out. EcoCycle is a nonprofit recycler near Boulder, Colorado, and they're putting the first commercial electric compostable waste collection truck say that five times fast, <laughs> on the road. They're using a Mac LR electric truck, which was partially paid for with some of the Dieselgate settlement money. So thank you, VW, for lying and cheating and killing people prematurely with your diesel fumes. You did something good. And I just want to take this opportunity to talk about composting. If you have a garden or if you aren't composting, you are missing out on a huge opportunity for black gold. Yeah. I mean, our editor, Bobby, uh, takes all of our food scraps, like from all of our lunches, right? Takes them back to his garden, composts it. And he's like just waiting for us to give him more food scraps because it just it, it, it like don't throw it in the trash. It's so valuable. Just compost. All right. It's time for sunspots. Now, it's not always good news when it comes to solar. Remember a few weeks ago, we told you about Florida Bill's SB 1024 and HB 741, which would require future rooftop solar panel owners to pay higher rates and curb net metering. Well, the Florida Senate Regulated Industries Committee approved SB 1024 with a 72 vote and the House Tourism Subcommittee voted for the companion bill, HB 741, uh, 13 to 3 last week. Now, I'm not sure what tourism has to do with electric utilities, but you do you, Florida. Anyway, the next step is for a full vote by the Florida legislature. And I just want to clarify here. You might be like, well, didn't you just say it passed? No, those are the committees. Uh, basically, when you have a bill, there's committees that either say like, yes, we're in favor of this. Let's go vote on it or no, it's not coming out of committee. So it came out of committee. It goes to the full House and Senate in Florida. And if you want to learn more about what we're talking about, we did an interview with a state representative, uh, David Frazier Hidalgo from Maryland. He's in the House of Delegates. Uh, go check out that right here. Now, a whole bunch of folks who wanted to keep solar alive in Florida went to Tallahassee, the capital of Florida, and they made their voices heard. And I think this speech from Representative Anna Eskamani sums it up. We're not just here to talk about saving solar. We're here to make sure that our consumers have choice and that we protect jobs across the state of Florida. This is one of the fastest growing industries in our state. And y'all have harnessed the sun and the sunshine state to give energy to everyday folks to make sure that not only are we moving towards a more sustainable future, but that we're creating jobs at the same time. And I am one of the few lawmakers who have been aggressively challenging the power structure of our investor-owned utility companies, the monopolies that we have in place. And we do it, we do it because not only is it the right thing to do, but competition creates jobs, competition creates the best technology, competition's what Floridians are asking for. Please remember, this is the third time there have been efforts to go after net metering. The third time. The first time was the ballot amendment initiative, which failed. The second time was going to the Public Service Commission, which failed. And the third time was to the legislature, which we will make sure it fails again. And so I'm just here to say thank you because it can be so hard for my colleagues to visualize the jobs that are at risk. And here you are proving to everyone 
just what an incredible impact solar has, not only in a clean energy economy, but truly as a part of Florida's future economy. So thank you for everything you do. Know that your voice matters. So Floridians, do your part. Contact your reps and tell them how you feel. If they can take away solar power in the Sunshine State, they'll come after your solar next. And if you'd like to stick it to your utility and get solar on your roof, or if you live in Florida and you're like, I gotta get solar on my roof before this bill passes. Yeah, then contact our friends at Energy Pal. They'll help you go solar for less and they'll help answer all those questions that I'm sure you have and they'll do it all for free. So reach out to them at the link below and tell them that Zach and Jesse sent you. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories and we need your stories. So remember to send us stories that are two minutes or less, shoot them in landscape with good audio, no music, and send them to hello at now you know channel.com what do we got for stories this week our buddy bill has been doing a jeep conversion and Ooh. looks like he has made some progress all right guys this is bill from linden tennessee hold my beer better oh yeah nice i love seeing that wow he's got so much more space to work with than the uh, mg conversion we're doing right now <laughs> i'm a little jealous all right it's time for our patreon bonus stories we've got an investor club bonus story this week and we've got our patreon bonus stories we're talking about the first rivian crash gm and bmw and polestar super bowl ads uh tesla's heat pump problem jesse gets his Cybertruck wish and a whole lot more yeah, so head on over to patreon.com slash now you know. Support us on this channel for just a buck a month and get all these Patreon bonus stories every week. All right, we're back from our Patreon bonus stories. A lot of good stuff in there. Go check it out. All right, who do we got for shout outs this week? We've got Margaret Elizabeth Truman, Christopher L. Potter, Jake Robinson, Mark Bosert, Pat Lopez, Glenn Nile, Dennis Sonsing, John, John T. Cook. Paul, Bradley Graydon, Jonathan Tucker, Jerry Sherman, Larry Gordon, Carlos Privet, Richard Loeffler, Chad Miller, Clint LeClaire, Valentine Clear, Kay Lang, Kevin Patrick Vogt, Ben Grillet, Jimmy Dean Garrett, and Donald Holleran. Thank you so much for supporting this channel. We can't do without you. You know, when I was reading John and Paul, if, it, if George and Ringo had popped up, <laughs> I would have been like, that's crazy. I don't think you would see John or George. 
I don't know. Maybe their estates could. Uh... All right, it's time for Elon's tweets of the week. Babylon B said media spreads misinformation on Joe Rogan to prevent him from spreading misinformation. Elon says fate loves irony. Elon says, why is the traditional media such a relentless hate stream? Real question. Mr. Beast said, bro, I could literally feed a million people and they wouldn't care in the slightest. But the second I slip up and do something wrong, they'll pounce all over it. Shibatoshi Nakamoto said, you don't even have to do anything wrong either. A lot of times it's just someone deciding to make a hit piece. Elon said, pretty much. Earl of Frunk Puppy says, Tesla drawing attention from the CDFEH, NHTSA, SEC, and California DMV all at the same time because they are upsetting unions, legacy auto, the oil industry, and autonomous driving companies and not paying for ads or buying politicians. And Elon said, exactly. Okay, Elon, so then start buying some politicians. It'll make your life a whole lot easier. Holmar's catalog said, some say Tesla fans cannot criticize the company. To the contrary, I find that Tesla customers are constantly giving relevant and salient feedback to make the products and company better. Refusing to buy the Tesla Q conspiracy theories is not biased. Sawyer Merritt said, here's a criticism. The refreshed Model X rollout has been horrible and the lack of communication to customers who've been waiting for a year or more for their car and keep receiving delays is disappointing. I know the global supply situation is fucked, but some communication would be nice. Elon said, we dropped the ball badly regarding the new Model X production ramp and still haven't fully recovered. Was idiotic to stop production of old X in December 2020 when there was still plenty of demand. Sawyer went on to say, really appreciate the response and the transparency. New X is a great vehicle. Any idea when the ramp might smoothen out and catch up with demand? I know there's some stuff not under your control. Supply chain issues, shortages, for example. Elon said, Model X is an extremely difficult car to build. Most complex passenger car ever. Limiting factor is interior trim, which I wasn't expecting. I do think, though, that it's the communication that people exactly. that Sawyer was actually asking for. And I think that Elon doesn't like I'm sorry as mm -hmm. an excuse, but most people will take I'm sorry as, OK, well, that is I, I actually is an apology. Exactly. Um, but I know that Elon doesn't think that way. So I, I think that that's how the company gets structured. The National Academy of Engineering has accepted Elon into their ranks. And he said, much appreciated. Tim Urban says, what country has the best candy? Elon said, good question. No, it's not. A Holmar's catalog said FSD beta 10.10 reverses slightly to give itself more room after getting stuck behind a stopped car. In previous versions, it would often get stuck if this happened and require takeover. Super cool. Elon said car should also reverse slightly if it peeks into an intersection and sees fast moving cross traffic, just like a person would. Ooh, we got to test that. Elon tweeted out the duty of a leader is to serve their people, not for the people to serve them. Tasmanian said the Tesla Model S Plaid battery pack is an engineering masterpiece, says Monroe. Elon said that was a tough one. New Model Y structural pack is next level, though. So he's basically like, oh, you think, oh that one. Oh, that old. Oh, that thing. <laughs> Shibatoshi Nakamoto says, be the person your dog thinks you are. Elon says high standard. Jeff says, I cannot stand chatting with my Tesla delivery advisor over SMS. It's slow and there are major delays between responses. Why can't Tesla build a chat interface in the Tesla mobile app with read receipts and attachments? Yo, Elon. Then Elon said, yep, we need to do that. Hang on. They already did that. They have that. So Elon didn't know that? I guess because he doesn't bring his car into service Elon very often. He doesn't take his car into service. Uh, and we've talked about this uh, sort of in mm -hmm. our episode about that. Pranay said, Raptor engine configuration under the super heavy booster. Elon said, moving to 33 engines on next booster. So even after their presentation, they've already made a change. That's amazing. Well, of course they are. It's a, it's a space travel. ESG Hound says, if SpaceX has to pivot to the Kennedy Space Center and Elon Musk keeps his STEM and R&D pledge in the RVG, which is at Boca, I will gain a ton of respect and may not have a choice but to simp. Elon says, the pledge is good no matter what. 
Jonah Kreider says, idea, can SpaceX merch store and Starlink accept Doge? Elon, wiki face. Uh, and Slash Dot said, declaring renaissance for French nuclear industry, French president promises up to 14 new reactors by 2050. By 2050. Elon says, great. And I would go, great. <laughs> Isla says, the bitter lesson illustrated. And one guy's talking about how hard it is to do statistical learning, while another guy who's doing neural networks is like, stack more layers. And Elon says, so many layers with Tesla full self-driving AI. All right, so we had a poll. And the question was... What do you think about GM hiring Biden's niece? And uh, most people thought it wasn't a good idea, Mary. <laughs> All right, it's time for Community Mail Time. Community Mail Time. Remember, you can send your stories into hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. So remember last week we talked about how solar farms are actually all around us, but we don't usually see them because they're usually tucked away. Well, Kevin, who's a flight instructor, was flying cross country with a student near Social Circle, Georgia, and spotted this. He says, you guys are the reason I learned a lot about Tesla and bought a Model 3 at the end of 2020. Really appreciate the work you guys do. Oh, oh thanks. thanks, Kevin. By the way, this is the Social Circle solar farm. It has 130,000 panels on 160 acres, and it generates 30 megawatts. It was installed way back in 2014. It was the first large solar farm in Georgia. The Ivor family that owns the land are third generation farmers. Now they harvest the photons from the sun. That's fun. Spencer writes to tell us that the Brightline high speed intercity trains are now offering free pickup and drop off five miles or less from the station. Currently, the service is offered in West Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, and Miami. If you're going to be traveling between those Florida cities, you can download the Brightline Plus app to book your ride. They have a small fleet of Model Ys for this service, and Brightline should be connected to Orlando Airport by the end of this year. So please send us your photos or video if you use the service. We'd love to see it in action and hear about your experience. That's hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. And thank you, Spencer, for sharing the story with us. James was shopping at Myers in Ann Arbor, Michigan, when he spotted this, a Rivian delivery van. He asked permission, and then he got to work taking photos and interviewing the driver. James found out, quote, the Rivian was taking in 37 kilowatts with 109 miles in the tank, and the driver said the van has a range of 119 miles. The highest rate of charge he had with the van was 52 kilowatts, and I'm not sure if that is due to charge point or the Rivian van. The driver also mentioned last week it took him three hours to charge. The rate was super low. He basically drives all around town, depletes the battery, and charges. The driver said the handling of it sucks. It blows around a lot in the wind while on the highway, but he drives the van empty. He did mention he has driven a Mach-E Ford Lightning and is used to driving electric cars. He's driven a Ford Lightning? Wow. Well, right. James, thank you so much. What excellent reporting. And I just want to mention, um, look how beat up it is. Didn't, I mean, it's, it's got to be new, and yet it's got duct tape all over it. Yeah, well... <laughs> Rich spotted another Rivian, this time the R1T in Schaumburg, Illinois, um, and it's getting its windows tinted. He says it looks sweet, and I agree. Mm. And Kathy spotted a blue Rivian R1T on the road. Okay, now you're tripping my jealous switch here. Uh, <laughs> when are we getting our Rivian? It better be March, April, like Rivian said, because I cannot wait for this. All right, it's time for Supercharge Reviews. Hey, Zach and Jesse, it's David here, doing a little destination charger review. I'm at Clos de Soleil Winery in... Caramias, British Columbia. We just spent the night here at a really nice bed and breakfast run by Dolores. I'll turn around and show it to you. It's called the Old Farmhouse, 120 year old farmhouse. Really great breakfast. Wonderful host. Told us lots of stories of her interesting life. And her son started this winery 15 years ago, Claude de Soleil. And here we are in the sunny Similkameen Valley. Now you know. Cheers. Hi, Zach and Jesse. We're out here in Dow's, Iowa, 
at an eight stall, 150 kilowatt supercharger. Uh, behind the cameraman here, uh, there's Arby's and Godfather's Pizza at a gas station stop, and then there's a rest area over there. Um, I'd say I'd probably give this station a 6 out of 10. Now you know. Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Shabir from Inverness in the UK. And I'm at the Inverness Supercharger, which is housed in the Rose Street car park. Now, inside the car park, you get a ticket and it's free parking for an hour. And at this charger, there are six stalls. I think the maximum output is 150 kilowatts. And it's within on the ground floor of the car park. Now, Rose Street is in the city center of Inverness. So there's plenty of facilities um, whilst you charge, assuming you're going to leave the car park. But there's plenty of restaurants, shops to, uh, to visit while you're charging here. So for that reason, for the locality and the ease of access, I would give this charger at least a 9 out of 10. Hi, Syke and Jesse. This is Daniel. I would like to review the Tesla Supercharger in Monroe, Louisiana. You have here eight stalls of version three of the Supercharger. And uh, I will say this is really close to the, uh, the 20 interstate uh, freeway. And uh, close by here, there is a shopping center, a mall. And this Tesla supercharger is next to the Fort uh, Marriott and I will rate it uh, a 8 out of 10 due to the fact that there is no many things to eat around the closest thing to eat is an Applebee's restaurant and then you will need to go inside of the of the mall to find some food so it's a little bit of a walk but it is nice that it has the the hotel here so you can stay or use the restrooms there very 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 nice very clean and there is uh, eight stalls so this is my review for you now you know thank you so much for doing supercharger reviews we have a map where we have all the supercharger reviews you can upload your own reviews of superchargers and destination chargers over at now you know and you can view all the superchargers and destination chargers that have been reviewed even if there's one there you can upload your own all right what do we got for new superchargers in the world we got number 23 in Ohio. Sorry, Ohio. Super Bowl. I know you weren't paying attention. This is a seven stall at Twinsburg, Ohio. The eight stall in Oakhurst, California. The 12 stall at Worringen, Germany. The 16 stall in Madera on 7th Ave in California. The 12 stall at Cabazon at Morongo Trail in California. Number 30 in Maryland is in Bel Air, Maryland. It's an eight stall. Number 114 in Germany is the 12 stall at Leonberg at the expansion in Germany. Number 27 in Arizona, the 16 stall in Marana, Arizona. Number 268 in California is the 8 stall in Weaverville. Number 46 in Japan is the 4 stall at Fukui, Japan. And number 89 in the UK, number 740 in Europe, and number 3273 in the world is the 12 stall in Romford, UK. All right, it's time for the Patreon giveaway. If you want to get your name into this big barrel of fun, join us over on Patreon. 
Uh, who's our winner this week, Jess? They're going to win a $30 gift card to EcoWare. The winner is Daniel Sanchez Gonzalez. Congratulations, Daniel. We'll be sending that to you. Remember that there's all sorts of cool stuff like, oh, I was hiding the four here. The 4680 shirt. Or uh, you can get yourself a nice the grid fin, grid fin t- uh, shirt. Um, everything on the site is completely carbon negative because we plant trees. We uh, cap wells to make sure that you have these really fun things to talk about with your friends and you can be proud to wear them. So start positive conversations with carbon negative products. And I just want to thank everyone who is supporting us over on Patreon. Uh, it makes this show possible to do yeah i want to give a little plug for the patreon bonus stories i think a lot of people uh don't know what we're talking about they're like okay you have the section of the show and then nothing happens you have to head on over to patreon.com that's how we basically support the show and you know you might think well you're youtubers you get plenty of money from youtube um no actually every month it goes down and down and down it doesn't seem to have to do anything to do with the quality of the videos we put out it just has to do with some weird algorithm where if you don't hit like fast enough or whatever then no one sees our videos the lucky thing for us is that we have an amazing community of patreon patrons who support us and we try and give back by giving you amazing perks over there so if you go over there for as little as a buck a month you're gonna get to see all of our patreon bonus stories this week we did like seven of them it's like a whole other show and i mean that was a lot of work for us but we do it for you so please go check that out if you don't like it you can just stop being a patreon right and i mean we do a patreon bonus story every week and you pay a dollar a month so it's a quarter on average yeah Uh, and i mean and there's many stories i mean each story like you're paying (laughs) pennies to get each story i think i think you i think that it's uh you know you can buy like a newspaper for like 50 cents i don't know what I've never bought a newspaper before. But anyway, you can buy a newspaper or whatever. I think that it's going to be on par with the amount of content and fun that you're going to have. Right. The the Patreon bonus stories. Yeah, not to mention the fact that we have polls, that we have live streams, we have book clubs, we have mugs. There's so much cool stuff over there. So go check it out. Hopefully you'll join us and become a patron and be a member of our new community. We'll see you next week. Now you know. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.